All right, we are going to hopefully finish this chapter in three below that we started yesterday. The ceiling was high, covered with fluorescent tubes of light hanging from long chains. The room itself was vast, as wide as a football field and just as long. I can see the reason reason for the warnings on the door, Remy said, stumbling a few feet forward as he gazed into the open room. It was cold like frozen metal, and both boys could see their own breath. Giant circular gears as tall as a house were intricately pieced together like the inside of a gigantic watch. Steel beams ran through the room, connecting each gear to gear. This thing was a monster, a colossus. I don't even know what to say, Leo said. This time, Mergenzer has completely outdone himself. What on earth could this all be for? And how could he have built it? Nothing moved, which made the realm of gears a scary place. There was something about the stillness of such a huge, dangerous object connected one thing to another that left a ghostly dread in the air. It hasn't turned on in a while, Remy said. At least it doesn't seem like it has. My hunch is you're right, but what's that noise? Leo asked, listening intently and trying to feel a, get a better feel for a sound that was coming from far away. It's coming from over there. Come on. Leo moved cautiously in the direction of the sound, carefully stepping around and under the gears. It was like walking through the inside of a giant grandfather clock, which had stopped ticking. Everything was hard-edged, cold, and mechanical. Should I wake Blop up? Remy asked. He might know about this place. I don't think we should. Let's just see what the sound is. We're almost there. They passed on between three gears that were so close together there was only room for them to slide through sideways. I feel like it's alive, Remy said, watching his cold breath as his breathing became choppy and afraid. Like it's going to wake up and tear us apart. Leo didn't answer right away. He felt the same way, but he knew it wouldn't help the situation if Remy knew that they were both terrified. Leo was also afraid for a different reason. He'd never been this far underground, and it felt desolate in a way he'd never felt before. He tried to put on a brave face. It's going to be fine. Just let's keep moving. Don't think too much about it. The sound was getting much louder, and both boys thought that they knew what it was as they came to an opening of a tunnel leading down further still. It's gears, don't you think? Remy asked. Leo nodded, and as they crept slowly into the tunnel, they saw that it was true. There were smaller gears the size of a tractor tire spinning around inside. Half of each gear was underground where they couldn't see, but they were definitely spinning. Why are these gears moving? Leo asked out loud, as though he was really only asking himself. Curiosity got the better of them, and they crept further inside, each of them standing on an opposite side of the gears, which ran down the middle of the tunnel. They're getting smaller, Leo said. That's weird, right? Kind of, yeah, Remy said. And the ceiling is getting lower. Everything's getting smaller. Twenty feet later, they both crouched down low, and there were gears the size of dinner plates grinding against one against another. Up ahead, the tunnel curved to the right, to places that they couldn't see. Um, Leo? Remy said, yeah? 
These aren't gears. What do you mean they're not gears? Of course they are. Leo's eyes had been adjusting to the light, and he hadn't been watching as closely as Remy had. When he took a closer look, though, he saw that Remy was right. The spinning had slowed, and the teeth of the gears were sharp. They're saw blades, not gears, Remy said. That's... that can't be good, right? Leo was starting to feel terribly afraid. Let's just get to the curve and see what's on the other side. That's as far as we'll go. Remy moved ahead, crawling as he went and sensing a sparkling sort of light around each corner. Around the corner, the gears were as sharp as dragon's teeth, but at least they hadn't gotten any smaller, like dozens of spinning saucers. Sharper, but smaller, Leo said. Why? They rounded the corner, only to find a dazzling cave of glittering light. They had discovered one of the best-kept secrets in the world, the true source of Merginzer D. Whippet's vast fortune. The Whippet Diamond Mine. That's it. I'm waking up, Blop, Remy said. He's got to see this. No, don't. He'll only distract us, Leo whispered back, putting his hand on Remy's arm. It was a dangerous thing to do because the blades were spinning right underneath his elbow. Let's get a closer look. Take it slow, Leo cautioned. Remy nodded, and the two boys crawled carefully into the open space of the diamond mine. There was 10 or 11 feet high. It was 10 or 11 feet high and just as wide, with diamonds shimmering like stars from the floor to ceiling. If Mr. Yancey or Miss Sparks found out about this, it would be real trouble, Leo said. And Mr. Carp is down here somewhere, Remy said. That can't be good. They both spun in a circle but couldn't help but smile. The room represented so much money, and they couldn't wrap their young brains around it. There has to be a hundred million worth, don't you think? Leo laughed. A hundred billion? Remy replied, but it wasn't anybody's guess right now. Leo moved close to one of the craggy walls and found small spinning blades whirring quietly. They appeared in the stone at various places, some small as a quarter, whirling around silently. I bet they're for cutting away the stone or something like that, Leo said. He was amazed at how peculiar it all was. The cave made a T at the end, heading off in two different directions. Turning one way, it led to what appeared to be more diamond and blade-encrusted walls of stone. To the left, it was a different story. Is that? Remy started to ask, then paused and tilted his head to the left, as he sometimes did when he was trying to sort out some sort of puzzling situation. A pink rhinoceros? Leo knew the wacky logic of a pink rhino head blasting out of a cave without having to think twice about it. He didn't waste any time thinking about walking up for a closer look. It's like Daisy the shark in the Whippet basement, only this one's a rhino. And it's pink, which isn't making it look any less like it wants to skewer me with its horn. The rhino's horn was bright white, the face poised to strike with an angry snarl that seemed somehow hilarious in this situation. Its name is Petunia, Leo said, reading the brass nameplate beneath the snarl. How dangerous could she be? There were other things in the corner of the diamond mine as well, and Leo and Remy sorted through them, beginning to understand. A clear plastic tube for putting things in, like the ones a bank drive through 
at a bank drive through that gets sucked into the pipe and along the into the hands of a teller. Two holes in a cave wall, one marked out and one marked in. There was a button over the one marked out. A table under Petunia's head with a scale with a scale, weights, charts, notepads, pencils, and bowls of cut diamonds. And lastly, a big pink button the size of Remy's head on the floor under the table, which Remy accidentally stepped on while freaking out over the incredible pile of cut diamonds. Stepping on the giant pink button made smoke billow out of Petunia's nose. She made a sound like she might come barreling out the rest of the way from the wall and then went silent. A pink strip of ticker tape printed out of her mouth. Leo pulled it off. Just like Daisy, he said. Mergenser's the coolest, Remy replied, running his soft fingers over the bowl of diamonds. What's it say? Leo read the instructions. NY taxes, present day calculations, 7,121,321.46. Property default default in 65 minutes. Wow. What interest, that interest rate is harsh, Remy said. Remind me never to get a credit card. And we've only got an hour. How would Mergenser let this happen? Remy picked up the bowl of shiny diamonds and poured them into a container that sat on the scale. When Leo started weighing, setting the weights on the other side, the scale and the scale was exactly even. He saw there were about four pounds of diamonds on the scale. That's a lot, right? Remy asked. I think it depends on the quality, Leo answered, picking up the chart and setting it on the table. There were all kinds of drawings and notations that somebody had made. Looks kind of complicated, Remy said. Leo read some of the categories that made the diamonds valuable. Shape, cut, color, clarity, carrot. It was impossible to know how much they had in front of them, except for the marketing marking on the bull of the dime that the diamonds had been in. A plus plus plus, Remy said, touching the rim of the bowl. The best grade I've ever gotten was a B minus, and I'm amazing. These diamonds must be perfect. You might just be right, Leo said, but let's wake up Blop just to be sure. Remy thought that that was a fantastic idea. He pulled Blop out and set him on the diamond table, where the little robot's eyes started to flutter open. What was I saying? Blop said with his tiny tin voice. Oh, yes. About the... His head moved back and forth from side to side, taking in the surroundings. Before he could speak, Leo grabbed him and pointed him in the direction of the pile of diamonds on the scale. These are grade A++ diamonds, Leo said. There are four pounds of them. How much is that worth? Sometimes, when Blop had a particularly difficult problem to solve, he would make a small humming and beeping sound. When this happened, it could take a while to get him back. We don't have time for this, Leo said. He'd already put two and two together. The diamonds in the tube went in the tube in the hole marked out. What happened after that, he had no idea, but it had a certain wacky whippet logic that he could had come to believe in. He held the clear tube out, and Remy poured the diamonds in. The diamonds tumbled against one another and sounded like broken glass rolling around and around inside of a barrel. Remy sealed the tube shut and turned it around in his hand. Beams of light danced off the cave walls, and Leo had a thought. Someone had to get all these diamonds cleaned up and made into A++++. Remy shrugged like he didn't actually care, placing the end of the tube into the hole. 
It would be a lot of work getting this many diamonds ready, Leo went on. Remy wasn't paying attention. He was trying to figure out how to make the tube get sucked back into the hole. The only button he could find was on the giant was the giant pink one under Petunia's nose. You'd have to dig them out of the rocks and use all the different blades and tools to carve them just right. It would take time, you know. Remy stepped his foot on the giant pink button again just to see what would happen, and the tube was gone with a sucking sound of air. Do you think that was a good idea? Leo asked. We just sent four pounds of grade A++++ diamonds into an air hole. Remy hadn't thought about that. The hole did say out, but that was all he'd really known. He felt a little dumb as they stood in the diamond mine without any cut diamonds, wondering what to do next. Several minutes went by in silence as both boys waited and Blop calculated. Then Petunia blasted out some smoke from her wide nostrils and pink ticker tape poured out from from her mouth. Leo ripped it free. What's it say? Remy said, worried that it was terrible news. We are pirates. Thank you for the four pounds of diamonds. Make sure you bring more out or we'll bring in the cannon. Leo read the pink ticker tape. Word for word, it says, assuming A++++ per usual. Controller reviewing account now. Where have you been hiding? The gov. The gov? Remy couldn't believe the real governor of New York was sitting inside a room somewhere with the diamonds. That's incredible. I wonder how long it'll take, Leo said. They hadn't found Mr. Carp. He could be anywhere in the enormous room of gears, and the clock was ticking. By now, it was late at night, pushing close to midnight, when the whippet might not be his anymore. Come on, governor, Leo yelled. Get a move on! Blop whirled and beeped softly, calculating what Leo and Remy hoped would be a big number. His eyes fluttered again as though he might go to sleep, but then he started to speak. Hold on, Remy said, cutting Blop off before he could say anything. Remy had heard something important. Had heard something. Something important. The sound of air moving through a pipe. I think it's coming back, Remy shouted. He got his face right up next to the hole marked in and peered in as though it were spyglass. I wouldn't stand that close, just in case, Leo said. The tube arrived with Remy's head in the way, which sent Remy flying backwards, landing inches away from the whirring saw blade the size of a bottle cap. I'm okay, Remy yelled before anyone could ask, hopping to his feet and rejoining his brother and his robot under Petunia's watchful gaze. I've completed my calculations, Blop said. He sounded annoyed. It was a big project, a lot of work. Sorry, Blop, tell us what you know, Leo said. He opened the tube and fished out an envelope and a maple donut. Gov, my man, Remy said, snatching the donut and ripping into it hungrily. The value of four pounds of A++ Whippet Estate Diamonds is... Blop had the answer at the tip of his robot tongue, but Leo had the envelope open and started talking excitedly excitedly before Blop could finish. Ten million dollars and change, Leo yelled. Yes! $10,013,021 to be exact, Blop said. There was satisfaction in his voice, for he had been correct, and this made him happy. Leo continued reading the letter from the governor. Present enclosed certificate of payment to subcontractor Miss Lenora Sparks. Adult eyewitness must be present. Keep carbon copy. Complete transaction before midnight to avoid auction. I tried to reach you. For three years, I want that noted. Depositing extra funds in escrow. You're clear for at least another year. Enjoy the donut, the gov. 
Remy munched down half the maple donut and then handed the other half to Leo. How much time do we have? Remy asked, wiping his hands on Leo's overalls. I don't know for sure. Maybe 45 minutes? Possibly less. Leo stuffed the donut in his mouth all at once. He was a little bit of a stress eater when do- when there were donuts around and worry were in- and worry were in the same place at the same time. All we have to do is get back upstairs and we're home free, Remy said. How hard can that be? The trouble was they hadn't found the hapless Mr. Carp. He had only one job to keep an eye on us, Leo said, shaking his head, and now we can't even find him. Remy wasn't the only one wasn't the one to leave a man behind, even if he barely knew him, and he was the enemy anyway. Well, we can't just leave him down here. He'll never get out. Who will take care of his cat? Leo looked around the cave at all the sparkling diamonds and thought that they, of all that they'd accomplished. They had the iron box, the zip rope, and the four flugers, and they had paid the taxes on the hotel. Leo had a piece of paper to prove it. They decided to have Remy hold on to it because the flaps of his red doorman's jacket would hold it. The note would be safe there. But none of that changed the fact that Remy was right. They couldn't leave Mr. Cart behind. What are we going to do? Leo asked out loud. And then the question answered itself. From It came in the form of a sound from outside the diamond mine. A clanging pipe and the sound of a man shouting, Ouch! Mr. Carp had stumbled with an earshot, and with 37 min- minutes to go, Le- Re- Remy and Leo bolted for the realm of gears as fast as their feet could take them. And tomorrow we will be on Chapter 12, Mergenzer's Plan Unfolds.